Hello, this is Scott Jens. Welcome to Sandbox Stories. Sandbox Story 4, The Sandbox. With this story, you will know the reason I call my stories Sandbox Stories. My grandfather, my mom's dad, was born in 1898. Here I am in the 21st century of a grandfather from the 19th century. Bernard Precourt, more affectionately known as Ben, was born to a potato farming family in central Wisconsin. His eventual wife, Blanche, my grandmother, was from the Iron Range of northern Minnesota. They were obviously hardy people who worked off the land. Ben and Blanche had eight children. The eighth was my mom, Pam. Her oldest sister was 21 when she was born. Her second and third oldest siblings were identical twin girls. They were 20 at the time. One of them was pregnant at the same time as their mother, meaning that my mom was born and only a few months into life, she was an aunt. The eldest six of the eight siblings were brought up in the Great Depression. My grandfather was wise to those years, always quick to a bargain. His work prior to World War II was to bring rotary dial telephones to Wisconsin, learning about them in New York. Life was simple, but tough. My mom was coddled by her older siblings, and having nieces close in age, she was surrounded with love. As she got to high school, though, she was essentially an only child, as the others had all grown, married, and moved on. She needed a diversion that would help bring her a few dollars, and she applied for a job at an optometrist's practice in the late 1950s, working as a clerk. I was born and raised in a very small town near where my dad had grown up, which is where my parents settled after getting married. It was 100 miles from where my mom grew up in Madison, Wisconsin. Fortunately, Ben and Blanche moved to that same small town after Ben's retirement from being an auto and pedestrian safety expert for the AAA for the latter part of his career. I had an immediate pal to hang out with who took me to nursery school and to kindergarten, my 19th century grandpa. I learned about his frugality in the early 1970s as I grew up. We would go to the local grocery store, a red owl, where he would teach me how to bargain for a discount on overripe bananas. We would buy eggs from a farmer outside of town where they were half the price of eggs sold in the store. But what I really learned is that to care for many, you really need to dig in and work, a lesson that he had learned and was teaching me very well. He taught me to drive. He depended on me to set his Casio digital watch. He passed me $20 bills in a handshake. His daughter worked her way to an associate's degree in accounting, so we would have enough money for me to head to Madison and attend the University of Wisconsin. I had already decided that I wanted to be an optometrist, like any young myope who is granted clear vision by an optometrist exam and a pair of spectacles. 
during my first year of optometry school on his 90th birthday in 1988, Ben passed away. But he taught me so much and it stuck with me that I committed to proving to him and to my family that the grit of learning how to be tough, how to learn to earn what you make, had been well taught. My mom gave me his wedding ring at his funeral and I've worn it on the ring finger of my right hand ever since as a demonstration of my commitment to what he did for me. See, the central Wisconsin counties where potatoes are grown are rich with sand. Golfers who know about new golf development in Wisconsin know of the name of a complex called Sand Valley, just a few dozen miles from the Precourt family farm. Sand is where you work and play and grow. This all came together in my early days of building the company Revolution EHR. I was scouring the landscape for investors with almost no money in the bank. I had dinner meetings and coffee chats with anyone who would talk to me, networking as they call it. A Madison business person was just giving me advice and he said, you aren't asking me for money, so it's easy to give you straight. If you were, I'd say no because you're telling me that you're an optometrist first and foremost and an entrepreneur second. You have your feet in two sandboxes. And if you raise the necessary money to pull this idea off, you're gonna to need to pick one sandbox to play in. At the time, my optometry clinic partner, the great late Dr. Vic Connors, and I spoke about this. He encouraged me to go for it and say, you know, you have a passion for it. I wanna see you do it and I was soon a part-time optometrist and a full-time entrepreneur. I knew what it would take to be frugal, but hungry and hardworking, to find people to work alongside that would carry their load, but also buddy up to create something that otherwise had just been an idea. So today, after a career as an optometrist and a software founder, I'm a coach hoping to share insights with others. My story is no more compelling than anyone else's, but hopefully it gives you a chance to compare yours to mine, to identify the people and actions that gave you a chance and a purpose to go out tomorrow and make great things happen. Take a moment right now. Think about that person to whom you are infinitely indebted for empowering your dreams and commit to serving their honor. The moral of this story is that you should find your sandbox, your place to play, to work, and to build friends. To me, the sandbox concept allows me to connect so many parts of my life story. And a sandbox emotes playfulness too. As said by writer Stuart Brown, play energizes us and enlivens us. It renews our natural sense of optimism and opens us up to new possibilities. By examining your life for the important people and the efforts that got you here, you can now find a way to use your stories to inspire others to help them to get into the sand and work to make a better world and a better life. Your descendants who live in the 22nd century will be grateful for the work that you do today, just like I was grateful for the work my grandfather did ahead of my time. Until my next sandbox story, be great at all you do.